Welcome to the Rethinker podcast, asking the why questions to connect faith with culture. Welcome to the Rethinker podcast. My name is David Litwin. I'm an author, a designer, and hopefully an all-around creative guy that has been somewhat blessed with the ability to connect dots between faith and culture. And then really it's my desire for you to see those dots and to formulate your own discoveries. I'm going to break ranks a little bit with this podcast. I have really been attempting to create a systematic methodology so far, building brick upon brick, if you will, as Rene Descartes would uh, propose. But I'm going to jump ahead for this podcast and delve into a really deep strategic idea with incredibly practical and transformational applications. In order to truly engage with culture on a resonant level, we as Christians have to stop fixating on actions and begin to look at outcomes. Now, this really gets into the why of God's declarations. Remember, we aren't going to change what God has said, but to seek to deeper understand why he said it. Nowhere is this more prevalent than in the paradigm shift between focusing on actions or outcomes. If you remember, I did one of the talks, I talked about how sin is shards of glass coated in chocolate, which taste wonderful in the mouth and then lacerate the organs on the way down. The church has spent millennia arguing with people over eating the chocolate because God said not to. The world sucks at the smooth chocolate coating and says you're missing out on life's biggest delicacies. What the church should have been saying is, of course it's chocolate. You never would have swallowed the glass shards without it. So, let's discuss some chocolate and then see the glass shards below the surface. Okay, we know that God has said that sex outside of marriage is wrong. I was watching a TV show, The View, today, and they were discussing why this biblical concept is so incredibly outdated. And certainly our modern, secular, and somewhat hedonistically accepting culture, sex is really a cultural norm. Well, a show like Jane the Virgin gives some value to the concept. Most other media, educational systems, artists, and the like really mock at the idea. And the church decries shows like Sex and the City and Girls or celebrities like Nicki Minaj or Miley Cyrus as morally bankrupt. But remember, that is still looking at the chocolate. Let's focus on the glass shards. So for a moment, we're going to imagine a man named John. John is the top performer at a small-sized marketing firm, a five-year-old startup with 20 employees. John is in his late 20s, and he's an above-average-looking man. His youthful vigor and attractive charm serve him well at the company. As a marketing stud, John fancies himself as a bit of a womanizer, often bragging to his coworkers, hey, I can sleep with whoever I want. It's not really hurting anybody. Now, take the moral part of it out, and to John, his statement is true. He can sleep with whoever he wants without consequence, as long as the moments are consensual. Now, while his declaration is subjective, there's been little objective repercussion, at least that he knows about. But suppose John contracts a serious STD like HIV, that one time... He just wasn't careful enough. Now John's life faces radical changes. First, he must deal with the psychological complications of his new condition. His countenance falls and his anxiety rises, knowing that he is now a marked man in future intimate encounters. Second, he must visit the local clinic two times a week to monitor his condition, which thankfully remains negative. But since the clinic is only open between 8 and 6 p.m., he must leave the office during business hours at least once a week. The psychological pressure mounts and John's performance at the office suffers. John's attitude and lack of focus caused the firm to lose one of its top clients, a company responsible for nearly 23% of the firm's yearly revenue. Now, left to deal with the financial aftermath, decisions must be made. 
So do they fire John? Absolutely not. John still manages more accounts than any other employee. So the business fires two lower-tier employees. The first employee was a man in his mid-40s. In addition to a first and second mortgage, the fired employee had a daughter who was about to enter college. The prestige of the institution she could have attended was really contingent on his salary, and that daughter is forced to go to a lower-quality school, lower school academically. This causes years of financial and social repercussion on the daughter, while daddy defaults on his mortgage obligations. The second employee, a younger male just out of college, didn't have to deal with the critical financial decisions like paying for a mortgage, but he did have a $9 a day latte habit at Starbucks. Unable to afford his Java fix, Starbucks loses approximately $2,500 in yearly revenue. Add on a few more bad situations bought on by a few more Starbucks patrons at the local Starbucks, and they let one of their baristas go to cover the expenses, leaving that barista now to suffer the aftermath. Back to John's company one more time. John never really shakes off his anxiety and depression, and more clients travel elsewhere, taking their essential revenue with them. Eventually, the company fires John. A year later, the company folds, the employees scatter, and the founders are left carting a quarter million dollars of debt. John's womanizing declaration had real and powerful consequence when the subjectivity of his verbal statement clashed with the objectivity of the real world. Now, notice how the outcome started with John but traveled quickly and effortlessly like a virus into the surrounding community, ransacking destruction everywhere it ventured? Now, the question has to be asked, which ending was God focused on with his do not declaration? The spiritual outcome of promiscuous sex in John's life or all of the perpetual chaos to him and his surrounding environment that followed? Now, the answer is both, but the church has only tended to center on the first response. By doing so, we not only create a wedge between the culture and the church, but we fail to present a God who lovingly cares for all of humanity. Humanity is racked with outcome everywhere you look, and we keep fixating on actions. Worse, the world suffers to the point of death at times, and we've even used the outcomes as God's judgment on people's actions. Instead of judgment, we need to bring illumination and then bring healing. There's so much more to say here, so please meditate on this further in your own time. Now, what did I do with the scenario about John? I did what my favorite singer-songwriter Jack Johnson encouraged his listeners to do. I took a time lapse and looked at it backward. We are all connected to each other, whether we recognize it or even desire it. And one action creates a chain reaction, little seismic explosions going off every moment of every day. Our God, humanity's creator, sees it all. And so he has attempted to circumnavigate these caustic eruptions because he loves humanity. But we all too often throw God's judgment and morality at their actions and then wonder and lament when men like Dawkins and Dennett and other atheists mock at what they call an anemic God. Let me show you how powerful focusing on outcomes over actions is at a cultural level. Number one, outcomes over actions creates an objective understanding, not a subjective argument. If you argue with someone over something subjective, their opinion becomes the great divider. Objectivity is irrefutable. A man can say to a woman, that child is not mine, and his statement is valid until a paternity test proves otherwise. Number two, outcomes over actions deals with healing over condemnation. When we focus on actions, we look down and condemn the person engaging in the action. But when we focus on outcomes, we care for the individual, their circle, and their society. Now, let me ask you, which has more culturally transforming power? 
Outcome over actions becomes a tangible discourse for discovery and rectification. If we can see things as objective, then we can truly look at them from a historical standpoint. And we don't provide opinion on something occurring, but we understand how it occurred and then how to rectify it. Number four, outcome over action sees damage to people as human beings, not as justice on sinners. Where can you go with the sin judgment conversation to a culture that attempts to reject the God you espouse? You create an impasse, but no one wants damage. No one wants destruction, disease, or despair. God created mankind, not some particular sanctified subset of humanity. We need to see everyone through God's lens of being made in his image. Number five, outcome over actions takes the conversation out of theology and into the entire world that God created. Again, as Jack Johnson stated, this world is a puzzle. But we as Christians holding to this worldview have much of the image on the box. The areas we don't see, science, academics, law, etc., we are to flavor with our wisdom and then attach those pieces to the puzzle. And you've seen that in various other podcasts. Number six, outcome over actions creates an inarguable conversation. The purpose isn't to win the argument. It's to create bridges of reason and insight with the culture. And should the listener choose to deliberately scorn the objective, then the fallacy of their argument is brought to bear. When the focus is the vitality, protection, and prosperity of humanity, arguing against it is asinine. Who is burying in their, he- their heads in the sand then, and really at what cost? Bottom line, it's time to stop being so myopic, so judgmental, and even so shallow. It's time to see God as bigger, more loving, and more connected to humanity than he can be imagined by just fixating on mankind's actions. It's time to really heal humanity of its hurts and confusions. It's time to speak the truth in love. We just need to understand how deep our truth actually trenches because that creates an objective love that all can see. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope this really encouraged you and challenged you and ignited you and incited you and everything else I can think of. We have an incredible responsibility to this culture that is our God, God-given God right and mandate. So I encourage you to press further forward. I encourage you to listen to other podcasts. You can also find a lot of my information. Check out some of my books, etc. at davidwlitwin.com. You can also reach me by email and Facebook and Twitter. You can find all that information there. Hope uh, you have a glorious and wonderful day or evening, depending on when you listen to this. And just remember always to live inspired because we live an awesome, inspired faith. God bless you.